The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And you're listening to America's Web Radio, the veterans radio station. And it's time now for, and actually we're going to play our uh, silent prayer and then uh, do a Jody after that. information out uh, last night as a matter of fact and look forward to having more and more veterans telling other veterans about a veteran's place and with that being said good morning dr moeller hey dave how are you doing it's good to be here well it's always good to have you with us and um, your your reputation uh, precedes uh, the shows and if people don't know who dr don is it's uh, he's a dentist as well as a medical doctor, and we are so proud to have an affiliation with Doctor Don. And uh, I talked to uh, Lieutenant Colonel retired uh, Philip Farsberg all the time, and um, I don't think a conversation goes by that we don't mention Doctor Don and what you're doing and. And it's going to wind up being successful. Dr. Don single-handedly is beginning to bring veterans the oral responsibility that the veterans deserve from our VA. It's a long story and been a long battle for Dr. Don, but uh, it's something that's coming to light in the VA and... I think within, it may be within a few weeks even, that Dr. Don will have some fantastic news for veterans that have been cheated of the research on their oral health due to PTSD. So, with that being said, let's get going and... Don, I understand you've put together one heck of a show today. Oh, that's right, Dave. Uh, I've put a lot of stuff together, 
and at the level that the veterans can use it and appreciate it. And uh, I'll give you a little bit of a news wind-up. The uh, VA has a program called an Innovation Greenhouse where they're looking for shelf-ready or off-the-shelf stuff that they can implement uh, into the VA system. And so I want to thank Dr. Gidden of Harvard University for his work in publishing these uh, papers. He was first author, and uh, his question, his uh, reputation is beyond question. And so he's on board with this. So we submitted that to the VA. And hopefully they will see the value of it because it's real obvious that the veterans uh, have problems uh, with PTSD and oral health. And that oral health, I want to make sure all the veterans and first responders, we don't ever want to neglect the first responders, I want them to understand that your oral health is affected. And I'm not talking about you need teeth cleanings uh, or a couple fillings. You know, you're going to notice that you've got headaches, nightmares from grinding your teeth, sore jaws. Your hygiene's not what it should be because why would it be? You're depressed a lot of the time. So, or you're too busy helping other people. I think, Dave, that's probably one of the problems. So today what I'm going to do, uh, we're going to continue where we left off last week uh, on resilience. But I have taken a... uh, little bit that I wanted to add here, uh, and that's not basically covered in the mainstream, and that's uh, moral injuries. And I'll tell you why. Last couple weeks, I've had a couple medics come in, and one medic said something so profound, and he said, first of all, no one's discussed moral injury with me. This guy's a senior medic in the Army. And he said, and, and the worst part is, uh, I didn't know there was so much evil in the world. And he said, when you actually see it up close and personal, uh, it has a profound effect. It has a proud, profound effect on your soul and your mind. And so what we're going to talk about for the first part of this show, uh, you the ultimate question we're going to talk about, where is somebody who's suffering from PTSD supposed to get the strength to come back uh, to uh, normality? And that's a tough question because 40% of veterans who have PTSD, up to 40%, can have a major depressive disorder. Well, buddy, that takes the wind out of your sail almost every day. And I've worked with patients that go, where am, where am I supposed to get the energy to implement any programs that you're suggesting? And, you know, that's an excellent question. And I want to start off by saying our first responders, the police, the firemen, the nurses, the ER doctors, and veterans definitely are strong people. Uh, I married a nurse. She's an incredibly strong person, worked in the ICU critical care. I haven't met uh, a nurse that worked in those areas or emergency room that weren't tough. So you just simply don't tell a veteran 
or nurse or first responder, fireman or a cop, and I mean police person, just shake it off. This is complete nonsense. It, it bothers me that there's still psychologists out there that view PTSD as kind of an op- optional disease, disorder. you got to watch my words here. I'm on the air. as a disorder. You know, I, and I... Uh, I challenge those psychologists to go ahead and suit up, put on a uniform, suit up, go spend some time. Let's see, how about Ukraine? Go ahead and show us how you how you keep your brains and your wits about you when you're getting shelled and shot at. Then come back after a year and we'll talk. You know, and I know darn good and well the response is going to be. They're going to be as jacked up as our veterans are. Don, I, now, I want to interject something because... Yeah, uh, Dave. You you said a minute ago um, about coming back to normality, and the problem today is what's normal. It ain't what's happening today. We've never gone through what's happening today, and so what a person may have left uh, to go uh, to be deployed, even as as early as a year ago and comes back and is looking for normalcy and he's going to be he or she is going to be finding we don't know what normal is today and what it was when you and I were growing up or even when we were in college is not normal today and we're seeing things and I I was just totally amazed and and a lot of this happened in atlanta georgia this past weekend the shootings that we had in in nightclubs you used to be able to go out to a nightclub and have with your friends have a few drinks enjoy the music and not even think about somebody going crazy and shooting up the place and so i i guess I'm not questioning you by any means, but I think a new there, there's a new parameter of coming back to quote unquote what is normal. Well, Dave, and I take this as a compliment. You know, I I, I love the way you you bring up a good topic. First of all, all our first responders, myself included, and you, you were EMT. And the police and the firemen, we're sheepdogs, okay? Now imagine you go to a veterinarian's office and you're only treating sheepdogs. It's not the same as treating sheep. You see, and that's why when a sheep comes back to a different environment, they're pretty adaptive for the sake of this analogy. Well, when the sheepdogs come back to the farm and they see it's been torn up, that has a much greater effect on the sheepdogs. And why is that? Because we, the first responders, the police, the firemen, the veterans, we were fighting for what's right. And a government that's going sideways uh, with court decisions like that uh, Biden's son got off with $100,000 in tax, not paying his taxes, plus carrying a weapon, when uh, uh, probation and when a rapper, a black rapper, did the th- same thing, he, he got three years in jail. Now, this is federal time, okay? So that's crazy. 
that's 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 something that, that the media is exposing. And when our soldiers, veterans, first responders, they're working to try and restore order to the flock, to the sheep, to help to give us a chance to live a normal life. And there is a lot of conflicting emotional trauma going on, especially let's take New York City. In Chicago, their police guys are good. They go in, they get the bad guys off the street, and before they can even finish their lunch, they're already back on the street. There's something wrong with that. And so, Dave, I, I agree with you. And, and that, in a way, kind of leads into where, where we're going with this. We're going to talk about the mind and the soul. And, and does PTSD affect just the mind? Does the PTSD affect the soul? Or does it affect both? And so we're going to look at what characterizes those veterans, police, firemen who've made it back from the depths of despair. So I'm going to just say, is there a path out of the darkness? Because for those psychologists that, and psychiatrists that don't treat PTSD and don't understand the depth of the problem, I can guarantee you that there's no particular medicine that you can take that's going to erase the injury to your soul or moral injury. They don't make those pills. They never have, and I doubt they ever will. So we're going to take a look at some paths back from from the dark despair of PTSD, and they are out there, and they're good. Now, I do want to compliment some guys, some soldiers among soldiers, uh, and their Navy sailors. These guys, uh, um, Jocko Willink is one of them, and another one is David Goggins. These guys are, are military motivational speakers. Now, I don't recommend these guys for snowflakes because I'll probably start crying just listening to them. But to the police and firemen and ICU nurses, I want to suggest these guys have some great motivational hints, and you feel like you're talking to a member of your squad down at the firehouse. We're talking about people have to get important work done in a scary environment, and they have to do it in a limited amount of time. And it's the same thing as veterans, soldiers, and sailors. So these, you have to stand back. Some of them, the language is pretty raw, pretty rough, and pretty salty. But I'm not saying I recommend it, but I understand where they're coming from. But I wanted, I wanted to say that to let you know that's not exactly where we're going. Because there's the problem when you're suffering from despair and depression. How are you going to, how are you going to catch the train? To get out of town, and, and that's the big question. You just don't say, well, you know, get yourself together and run for it. Well, a lot of guys, many, with PTSD and gals, they're, they're tired. The athletes they used to be when they're in the military is not there anymore. They're going to have to draw on something a little bit more than a motivational speaker. And I think, you know, like your Jody songs, they have an emotion, an emotional uh, remembrance for people of how it was. But a lot of our veterans and first responders with PTSD are sitting there, where am I going to get the energy 
to get going on these programs. Well, we got to have a critical discussion right now. Uh, what is the path out of this darkness? And I'm going to suggest that it's when you start treating the injuries to the soul and treating the soul different than the mind. Now, before I spin off into the world of philosophy, and we're not going to do it, you need to understand that there is a difference between the soul and the mind. And this is, you can read about it, books of philosophy. They even had one in a recent 2011 articles in a neurologic journal. But the point of it is, there is controversy between where's the soul, where's the mind, and what distinguishes the two. For purposes of my discussion, and I believe I can defend it, uh, the soul is who you are, who God made you. That's your soul. Your mind is the operational. It's your laptop that you carry around in your skull to do the computations. And so if you treat the computer, that's one thing, but you've got to treat the owner. That's the guy with the soul. And the difference between counseling by a secular counsel or, or an atheistic counselor who denies the soul, uh, I think you've got a big problem because technically the mind can't suffer a moral injury. It's a processing unit. Now, if you want to get into the complexity of the human brain, I'm gonna just, just listen to me for one minute. We all know about the birds and the bees. A sperm carries 10 to the minus 12th. That, that's how much it weighs, 10 to the minus 12th gram. Now, let me put it in a bigger perspective. Your brain has 100 billion neurons, and they have 100 trillion connections, okay? Where did all that information came, come from? One sperm and one egg and a set of DNA. Let me repeat that. The information to hook up 100 billion neurons with each other and make 100 trillion connections. This is right out of the Science Journal. If you believe that happened by accident, you can go ahead and tune out right now and turn on your favorite music because that's where I'm going with this. I will tell you how much it is. Now, I'm not a computer guy, but... Four grams of DNA, that's a teaspoonful, all right? If you don't think the creator made this, four grams of DNA. Now, 450 grams equal one pound. 400 grams that can fit in a teaspoon can hold all the information that ever existed in the world, ever recorded. That includes all everybody's selfie. That's 1.8 zettabits, bytes of data. Okay, I want to let you know how much information is contained. Your brain is the most incredible thing in the universe. So if you have a secular psychology uh, psychologist who goes, I'm not really into the soul, well, I think personally that he's obliged to tell you about that, he or she or it, whatever it is today. You just say, you know, you need to ask him ahead of time, what is your experience? What is, what is, how do you, Mr. and Mrs. Dr. Psychologist, 
how, where, how do you get meaning out of your life? I think it's only fair that they share that information with you before they start talking to you about whether or not we don't get into treating the soul here. Okay. So why don't these interviews begin with, hey, Doc, uh, why don't you just tell us uh, what your belief is and, and how do you get meaning out of life? Because if they tell you ultimately there is no meaning, I personally think, and it's my opinion, you're not going to do well in therapy. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty obvious because the pathway out of the darkness is through the soul. And remember, your mind does not suffer moral injuries. Okay? Animals have a mind. They can calculate. I love dogs. A lot of times they can outthink us, but they are not moral beings. If a dog nails a squirrel and eats it, there's no squirrel cop to come up and arrest him. That's, that is already known, and that's why the Bible used sheep for sacrifices, because they were spiritually, or from a soul standpoint, they were very pure. Okay. So we're going to move on here. Is secular psychology capable of answering the why am I here questions or what is good or evil or, or immoral? If you have a moral injury and a psychologist tells you, I don't deal with that, well, I can guarantee you now the science is, is behind moral injury. And moral injuries occur in your soul. Well, the psychologist may say, well, the literature doesn't explain exactly where the soul is. Well, what the literature does explain is the incredible complexity of your brain and that your brain operates as a whole, as a whole entity. And you can't cut a part out of it without affecting the other part. There is no particular area that operates independently. So the question is, where is the soul in your brain that's really basically a question that belonged back in 1800s from the anatomist. And now we're going to go right back to the show here. But I just want to let you know, there are some brilliant neurosurgeons that said, if you think your brain evolved, that's stand-up comedy. Okay, they don't even waste their time uh, talking with people that have a just-so story. Now, the question is then, where does existential philosophy meet psychology? Well, let me tell you what's, what's going on here. If you deny that you have a soul, you just slipped into the realm of existential philosophy. You live in that world. Well, the question is then, where does moral philosophy intersect with PTSD treatment? We already have the answer. Moral philosophy intersects with the soul. Dave, is this getting too esoteric? Or should we rein it in a little bit? <laughs> I'm listening. So, okay. <laughs> you know, it, there's sometimes that, um, in my opinion, that you have to get a little heavier. And if somebody is having a problem understanding, then they need to go back and play this over again from an archive and listen to it again because it's. It's, um, I hate to use the term rocket science, but, you know, yeah, it could be very confusing, but at the same token, 
if you think through what you're saying, it's very simplistic. And our brain is is absolutely incredible. And over and over again, that's been proven. And, you know, it has with PTSD, it has the ability... I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate, but our brain has the ability to take bad and put it over in a drawer, and some folks leave it there the rest of their lives, and other people, the brain will say, well, let's see what's in that drawer, and they pull it out, and out pops PTSD and all sorts of memories. So... The brain is just absolutely an incredible organ, and I don't care who you are, nobody's figured it all out, nor will they ever figure it all out. Dave, yeah, some of the, and and the reason I bring this uh, material out is that I think psychologists have a place, I really do, I'm not on a tirade against psychologists. But I, I do think it's a veteran's right. Before you start therapy, uh, you go, hey, doc, uh, do you believe in a soul or not? Or do you believe in such a thing as a moral injury? Because I can guarantee you if they go, there is no soul and there's no such thing as a moral injury, I would say in my opinion, you just say, hey, look, I want to just get another second opinion and I think that's in line, and I'll tell you why. I just made some statements about the brain and uh, an instrument that complex, phenomenally complex right now. And I didn't even, let me guarantee you that we could spend an entire week, eight hours a day, talking about the complexity of the circuitry of the brain. Now, Don, we're going to give the, the brain folks uh, something to think about. We're going to be back in two minutes after a quick break. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. Veteran owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. 
you're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, and you're listening to America's Web Radio, and we're back on a veteran's place with Dr. Don Moeller. And, uh, you know, I guess of all the things, and, and you're talking about uh, the brain right now, or you've been talking about it, and, you know, even though we've we've come a long ways and uh, neurologists have come a long ways and all this, but we're still not where where we are with heart surgery, for instance, where even though it's a complicated, a very complicated organ as well, doctors can literally take it out of your body and play with it if they want to. And <laughs> they, they did it to my heart, so I'm sure they can do it to anybody's heart. But we haven't gotten to the point that you can do that, that a doctor can do that with a brain. And, uh, I mean, they, doctors can do some incredible surgeries with the brain, identify portions of the brain that might be giving you problems or whatever and whatever, but, um, they can't pass it back and forth like they can the heart. So we're, and I'm not sure we'll ever get to that point with the brain, but like you said, if, if a psychologist or psychiatrist doesn't believe in the soul and doesn't believe in and thinks the only therapy is, well, let's talk through it, you know, yeah. that, that ain't going to yeah, work. You're absolutely right. And, and that's exactly what I'm about to say now. Here's the critical part. And this is why I mentioned, mentioned uh, Jocko Willett, Willink and David uh, Goggins. They're SEALs. Those guys are the tip of the spear. They're already motivated. <laughs> you know, if I, if I had their motivation, I could have done something with my life. But at any rate, so here's the question. How does psychotherapy give motivation to a veteran who's trying to find his way out of a real dark place? Let me be more specific. How does psychotherapy energize a veteran to escape from the bonds of PTSD, depression. Okay. Well, let me quote the statistics. The success rate's about 30% for psychotherapy. And I want to say that combat PTSD, and I will call first responder PTSD, uh, combat PTSD, and here's the reason. It's a comp- complex PTSD. You have to do it every day for 30 or 40 years. It's not a single event. Make sure that when someone claims success for you veterans and first responders, they're citing combat or complex PTSD psychotherapy. Because if you just saw a bad accident once, it's not that that's not tragic, but your therapy is going to be different from the therapy we're talking about. Now, here's where we're going immediately. I am postulating, and I believe it's true, that when you view your PTSD as a soul problem, now you open the door for God to help you. We're called divine energy. So now you've just 
transitioned over into theology. And Dave, you and I have seen how Christianity affects people, the people that finally realize that there's more to life than than the mind and getting good stuff. And there is a definite change. And that, that change has been reflected throughout history. And I, one of the great evangelists, I can't remember his name, it's immaterial, he said, you know, when someone was criticizing becoming a Christian, he said, why don't you show me the number of people that have been down in the dumps in the gutter and alcohol and other things that have turned their life over to Christ that, that you've helped? I can list thousands who Christ has made a, a difference. So what I'm trying to present is the argument that PTSD definitely affects your soul because your soul's had injuries. And you must understand that to move on through your problem. Now, I, I took a little martial arts, and I'm only going to say it, is that my instructor decided to let me know what it's like to get pummeled. And for five minutes, which seems like an eternity, I was, I was fending off blows. And, and it was, we used leather gloves and we got smacked in the face. There was no punching. It doesn't matter. It still hurt. And it kept going for about five minutes. And he stopped and said, I want you to understand that if you don't return a punch, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you down to the floor. And that, and that really sunk home because I tell you, when you have PTSD, your day is made up of just taking one punch after the next. You're going to have to dig deep down to your soul and come out and throw a punch. Sooner or later, you're going to have to throw a punch. Now, let me tell you what I learned in martial arts. First of all, when you match with someone, it's just not blocking the opponent's punches. That's, that's rule one. Rule two, a, any fight is choreographed into separate actions, just like your battle with PTSD. It's correlated into small, separate actions and a fight happens in segments, the start, middle, and the end. Well, I will tell you, simple blocks that you learn, the way you stand affects how the fight is going to go. You don't even actually have to deliver a blow to win a fight, especially in PTSD. But you need to understand that the pummeling can be stopped in small segments. You don't learn to fight the whole fight in one session in martial arts. You learn small, single actions, and that's what we're going to be talking about in resilience. You learn small, single, easily accomplished actions that will allow you to start to make progress. No one, whether you're a policeman, a fireman, whatever, can you say, man, I'm just keep circling this dark pit. You're going to start to make simple, single actions, and they're going to have significant effects. And that's one thing that I learned in martial arts, that one well-placed bow will end the fight. <laughs> I had one well-placed bow administered to, my, to me, and it knocked me out. I can guarantee the effectiveness of one small blow, okay? So what I'm telling you now 
your soul is not who you, I mean, your soul is who you are. Your mind is not. Your mind is the operational uh, thing that your soul tells. Let me, let me make an example. Your soul falls in love with someone. Your mind finds the flowers and candy at a good price. Okay. So your soul sets the goals and your mind works on the execution of these goals. So that's why I'm saying you have to get your soul ready to go and have your mind follow. Psychology does not do that. They do not work on the soul problem. And I've read some literature on it. It's very confusing because they changed the word soul and mind. You know, a surgeon has to know what to cut and what not to cut. So that's, anytime I read a paper on surgery, exactly where's the dotted line where you don't go beyond that, okay? Psychology and philosophy don't have that bright line. Moral injury hurts your soul and not your mind. Your your, your mind can see a lot of stuff. I want to talk about Hitler and Stalin. Their minds were intact. Their souls were gone. Now, you drink too much coffee, and that's going to affect your mind, not your soul. You're still the same, have the same soul, but your mind's a lot more alert. Now, moral injury is what it says. Animals cannot commit moral crimes. It's impossible. They may have a pack rule like my, like my dog does, like he ignores my wife because she's a, the Omega. It's a joke. But that's not morality. Animals will nail a squirrel if they're hungry. And, again, there's no soul police coming around to punish them. So here's where I'm going with this. Your soul is energized by God, not your mind. Your mind is energized by coffee and sleep. There is a difference, and you know there's a difference. So when you start to look into the problems of your soul, I want to stress to the first responders and our veterans, when you find out there are programs, bootstrap programs, uh, so to speak, they have a good track record of bringing people out of this. And if you make your living as a psychologist and a psychologist who is, you know, a flagrant atheist or secular psychologist, they're not going to recommend these programs. So I want to encourage people that there is a way out of PTSD, and especially I think it starts with your soul. And your soul will motivate your mind, and that's pretty much a foregone conclusion. I want to also indicate that in the Bible there's a lot of references to heroes. David, Joseph, Joseph spent 13 years in prison. And they all had the, 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 the metaphor of being in a pit of despair, even Christ in the wilderness. God's mercy energizes their soul, not their minds. Your soul is energized to get your mind in gear. And that's exactly what we're talking about. David, am I coming through Lima Charlie here? Yes. To answer your question, okay. uh, I think you've made some very good points, as a matter of fact. And... Uh, and again, I want to remind people to go back and listen to this show again because 
I don't think you can take it all in in one setting. I think you're going to have to listen to it a couple of times. And, um, you know, you bring up some very heavy points. And the, and nobody, in my opinion, is sitting there and taking that kind of notes and can remember everything that you're saying. So I recommend going to the archives and listening to the show again. That's that's a good point, Dave. I some I know I've got a lot of stuff in here. I, I listen to some other talk shows. Uh, I'm not on America's Web Radio on YouTube just to get a, a sense, and they kind of don't have a lot of information. Uh, for example, I'm now I'm going to mention. I will give you an example uh, to determine a soul problem versus a mind problem. You got to do that before. Uh, trying to solve either of them. I want to make it, it's, this is a joke, but I actually did look them up. Not being able to understand Einstein's, and I saw the equations, you can look at them on YouTube, uh, Einstein's, Einstein's space-time continuance theory equations does not affect your soul. Not being able to understand the death of your bud, battle buddy affects your soul. So, to me, I said, gee, it'd be nice to understand Einstein's time-space continuing gravitational theory equations, but that that doesn't change my life. My mind is sad that it's not powerful enough to understand them, but it doesn't affect your soul. Why you lost your battle buddy or significant other affects your soul. And you've got to answer the question, why do I exist? What is the meaning of life? Those are not mind questions. Why? Because your mind is not capable of understanding them. That is a soul question. And, and so we're going to get in, in a minute to into resiliency. And you can read on resiliency on your own and get yourself educated, but you will find out that those individuals whose soul is happy exceed in a lot a lot, they have a lot better recovery uh, trajectory. So you go, well, I, I think you're talking about relying on God. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You see, your mind does not provide you with the energy to recover. Your soul does. That's where it starts. You see, you are your soul. That's who you are, and you can't deny it. And God provides your soul energy by reminding you that you have great value to yourself and others. It just really doesn't matter how low you think you are. Most of the heroes in the Bible went into the pit. That's just the way it is. Paul went into a pit. Saul, obviously Saul, Paul went into a pit. You are never too far down in there that your soul cannot be energized by God, period. Your soul then tells your mind you've got a new plan of action. It doesn't matter what you saw when you deployed, how bad it was. God is well aware of that. Now, here's, here's the paradoxical statement. And if you don't have PTSD, don't ever tell other people with PTSD this statement. 
and it's, it's going to be in a couple sentences. God is most powerful in your greatest moments of despair. That's trivial if you're not suffering. But here's, here's the paradox. Because after experiencing God's restoring power, you know the energy you received was not your own. Let me say that again. Because after experiencing God's restorative power, you know the energy that you received was not your own. You see, so for the rest of your life, you're going to know that. And the motivational sloganeering, and, and that's why I mentioned the other, the SEAL guys, that's great stuff. When you're up and flying and you need a little buzz, a little push along, that stuff's great. But sloganeering cannot provide the energy to move you in the direction of healing, especially if you have overlapping moral injuries. Now, you're going to find yourself walking closer to the Lord for the rest of your life, and that's just how it's going to be. Now, uh, you will... Here's something that's going to occur. A lot of trivial things in your life and, and nurses and ER people see life ebb away every day. A lot of trivial things are going to be floating to the surface and you're going to see them as trivial. You don't really care if your car's the newest. You don't care if you have the biggest watch. You don't care if your house is the biggest on the block. You really just don't care. It's not in your new framework. Now, which is worse? Going through life as a completely superficial human being or maybe getting, looking at your PTSD as a possible gift. And if you don't have PTSD, I don't, I don't even want your comment on it. I've got it. And I, my life's totally different. Okay. So if you want to get rid of shallowness and trivial pursuits and you get in touch with your soul, you're going to be a different person. And I've watched this in PTSD people. And, and, and folks that have it, the triviality of things in their life is, is kind of put in a different ranking order. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, these people on that submersible, one was a billionaire spending a quarter of a million dollars to do that. I really don't know that someone with PTSD who's really re-ranked their things of importance in their life would be on that sub- submersible. So now the final thing we're going to make, and not for the whole thing, is if knowing God is the greatest human experience and PTSD allows you to have a closer walk with God Almighty, is it a gift? I want You need to just think about it. I'm not going to say whether it is or not, because that's a self-discovery thing. If knowing God is the greatest human experience, and PTSD allows you to have a closer walk with God Almighty. Is it a gift? What do you think about that, Dave? I think you're touching on ground that is totally individualistic, you know? And uh, somebody, you know, you don't... It's been my experience, anyway. Um... it's not just a poof and and 
and things are different. I think you uh, you go through a a uh, period of change, a period of desire, a period of total frustration and anxiety and not knowing and that you have to go and ask for it and I think that uh, anybody that's tuning in that had never tuned in before there's a reason and I don't know the reason you don't know the reason but there's a reason and this is something that we all have to come to terms with and recognize and the answer is there when we need it and that sounds like you know you're going out on the limb but it is and it does exist and but it takes it takes that final I gotta, you know, I gotta find the answer. Yep. Dave, you you summed it up. It's, you're in a position now that's your position of desperation. And when you read the old prophets and the Old Testament, and uh, our Jewish listeners can easily relate to that, you see that people who suffer are drawn to God. I mean, think about Job. Job was a good man. Job was the first, chronologically, the first book of the Bible. And that book's totally about suffering. Good people are going to get kicked in the head. But how's, it, how's Job end? Job ends with, he understands that God's in control. And that's the point of the whole book. It's not up to us. Yeah, we're going to suffer, and I hate it. I'm not looking for it, and I never got back in that child line and asked for a second, third help in the suffering. I mean, there it is. But, and this is, I've read this in several journals or whatever. It said that some of the people with PTSD, when they look back and said, if you could turn those cards back in and get a new new hand of cards, would you? And the investigators was really shocked. The majority of people said, no, I wouldn't because I've learned a lot about myself by having PTSD. And so uh, we're going to move on now for the last few minutes uh, and talk about resilience. Uh, We finished uh, last week. Now, why did I put this in here in this segment? Well, the simple fact that resilience, depending on which program that you want to enter, is uh, based on the health of your soul. And so uh, we're going to go into the doable goals portion because, you know, being a, I used to teach college biology and you learned a lot of stuff in the lecture and then you had to go into the laboratory and cement that in there and learn about it. So we're going to talk about doable goals. Uh, You have to do in PTSD, you don't worry about next week or tomorrow. You just don't. You just worry about the next hour. What do you, how are you going to fill the next hour? What are you going to do? And if, you, and if you're having problems working on the next hour, then shorten it to half an hour. What am I going to do over the next half hour to change this? Now, remember, I talked about martial arts. I only do that to give you an analogy 
uh, to let people know quickness and speed in martial arts exceed power and your game plan to either move out of the way you know my instructor <laughs> when he first started we were working on mats he uh, slid his <clears throat> foot next to mine because I was standing told me to stand with my feet apart but I didn't so he put his foot next to mine and then he just pushed to my opposite shoulder <laughs> and you fall down while you can't get your foot out from under you so part of this lesson is it doesn't take a lot to knock somebody down. You know, if you got a, and this is, I'm using this as an analogy for PTSD. You got a big mouth talking to you, you slide your foot next to his foot, and in the opposite shoulder, you just push him. He can't, he falls over, and you leave the scene. You, you exit stage left. See? And that's all I'm saying with the PTSD. You got to work on a plan. You, you got to do, what are you going to do in the next half hour to improve your situation? And you can look for stuff, and there's stuff on the Internet uh, that you can look at. But they have to, don't, don't, it won't happen. And Dave, what you said, it won't happen all at once. It's just not going to be all at once. You know, Don, but, I, I think there's a, a point here, too, that it. It's a situation that, yes, over time you can handle yourself. If you have the right person, right in martial art instructor helping you, it'll speed up the process. If you have the right minister helping you, it will speed up the process. If you have the right doctor helping you, it will speed up the right process. It'll speed up the process. But it can all be done, if necessary, by yourself. And it takes a little bit longer, and it takes a, a lot of soul searching. Well, Dave, I'd say that the step one, and I'll agree, working, step one begins with soul therapy. And it's part of your psychotherapy. And, but the psychotherapy is not going to energize you. Now, if you have a nice psychologist who says, yeah, I believe in the soul and we're going to, we're going to get some help for that. And I want to make sure our, our listeners understand that. I am not saying stop going to your psychologist. Absolutely not. And we're not saying that we're saying for you, your first step may be able, may, should be, to get your soul in a healthy position and rely on God's energizing power. Now, if you're an atheist, I don't know what to tell you because part of being successful in life is having a meaning, knowing the meaning of your life. If you're a hedonist or one of the, like, Roman Greek people, like, you know, we just live for today, I can't help you. I really think that whatever the psychologist can give you, that's, that's who your people are. But what Dave and I are saying, and America's Web Radio is saying, that your first step, if you're a listener in this situation, it's up to you. If you believe you've had a moral injury, your soul is wounded, and you need to get your soul in order. And that's what we're saying. And and when Dave says, there's nothing wrong with telling your psychologist, I'm working with my minister. And that's what we mean by, if your psychologist said, I will not work with you because I don't believe in a soul and I don't believe in God. 
then I think it's it, it's pretty much your 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 option to say I, I'm going to go somewhere else, and that's certainly what I would do. Uh, and that's exactly what we're saying. We are not implying uh, that to any listener. Uh, as a matter of fact, the veterans fought for our freedoms, and our police and first responders fight for our right to do pretty much what we what we want to do, and that's exactly what we're saying. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm specifically stating if your therapist, your psychologist makes a statement, uh, I'm not working with ministers, or I don't believe in the soul. Well, you have a right. Your your God given and your freedom that you fought for. You have a right to say, even if it's a VA-appointed psychologist, I want somebody else. Because modern science, and especially work by Dr. Koenig and and a whole group of other people, really substantiate that moral injury is is a big, huge factor. Now, remember, moral injury two decades ago was, you know, hush, hush, who cares? Not anymore. So that's what Dave, I wanted to clear Dave, wanted to make sure they understood you're seeing a therapist and you're happy and you're moving along the treatment trail, good for you. But today we're talking to the warriors and first responders that have soul injuries. And the God, we're telling that God is there with his hand out and he can energize you. And Dave, you and I have experienced that and so have millions of other people. So I, I wanted to clarify that, Dave. And I'm glad you did because, uh, you know, you got to start somewhere. So, with that being said, I'll keep going. Okay, well, uh, next week we will, or Dr. Don will dive into it more. And uh, we're always, if you have a question or, or you have an answer, as a matter of fact, just give us a uh, drop us an email at gm at America's Web Radio, or you can write Doctor Don an email and uh, send that to Doctor Don at America's Web Radio dot com, and he'll address your issue or your question in one of the upcoming shows. And I guess if there's Anything that I want to stress from our standpoint uh, of America's Web Radio is the fact that our one objective is to help veterans and their families. And if you have questions, don't hesitate. It's between, it'll be totally a HIPAA move uh, between you and Dr. Don and. Uh, no one will know your name. No one will know anything other than you had a question that if you've got a question, I could. I don't know what the numbers are, but if you have a question, I bet somebody else out there has exactly the same question, and you're helping them whether you know it or not. So don't hesitate to uh, email Dr. Don at americaswebradio.com. And with that being said, we're going to have to put the plug in the jug, and uh, we'll be back <laughs> next week with Dr. Don Moeller and talking about PTSD. Don, thank you. My pleasure. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.